Welcome to the McKinnon Legal Podcast, your guide to brighter paths beyond challenging marriages. Here's your host, Christina McKinnon. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode number two of the McKinnon Legal Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Wolf, and I am here with your host, Christina McKinnon. Christina, good to see you again. Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? Always good to see you. Yeah, likewise. It is going really well, getting ready for the holidays, actually coming off a a week of illness last week, so I'm ready to get a, a productive week started here, and I figure no better way to start the week than with Christina McKinnon. Well, glad you're feeling better. And um, yes, absolutely. I want to start the week this week talking about a very important uh, party to the case, um, a guardian ad litem. Uh, As we gear up for the holidays and breaks, winter break is upon us next week. You know, I've had lots of cases, evidentiary hearings, and even some trials uh, this week, in fact, that involve a special evaluator and investigator called a guardian ad litem that's appointed for the best interest of the children. Um, This person is a facilitator, uh, like I said, an investigator, but they are most importantly appointed to evaluate the best interest factors in the statute uh, to determine when there's a contentious custody battle. Well, in the state of Florida, we don't use the term custody anymore. It's no longer a legal term. It's called establishment of a parenting plan. It's called, you know, coming up with a timesharing arrangement. Uh, But when parties can't agree, uh, this is what the court or this is who the court will listen to, not abdicate their authority, but, you know, go forward on their recommendation because they have the specialized training and the ability to remain neutral, the parents do not, (laughs) uh, to be uh, unbiased, the parents do not. Uh, When someone is either divorcing or is no longer in a relationship with a child, there is a tendency for them to try and alienate the child from the other parent. So, you know, this is something I think is very important, uh, Jeremy, and I think that uh, the parties should, you know, be apprised of what the factors are, when to request this guardian ad litem, uh, and and how it can help your case. Now, is the guardian ad litem, is that something that's court appointed, or do you, as the private attorney, go out and find and choose your own guardian ad litem? Well, I mean, a guardian ad litem can be agreed to by the parties um, through their attorneys, or if they're not represented by attorneys, uh y- Parties can certainly do the matter pro se or unrepresented. Uh, And if the court believes that uh, the parties cannot co-parent and the parties are so contentious, uh, there's so much acrimony in the case that uh, it'll just be a tit for tat, you know, one party against the other and neither one is putting the child's needs above uh, their own, then the court can in fact appoint that guardian ad litem. What happens is uh, a lot of times the court will defer to the attorneys on the case and say, hey, you all uh, come up with someone that you all agree uh, to, me being practiced practicing for a, at least uh, two decades here in South Florida. Uh, we have a short list of people that are our go-to guardians, uh, but the other side may as well. So just by process of elimination, uh, we can come up with who we think is the best for the issues in the case. Does it have to be one or is there a case, ever a case where there's one for each side? 
Does that make sense? No, there's one in, in the case. So okay. if the, even if there are multiple children, um, so there's one guardian at litem that is going to investigate the circumstances of this case, the parents in this case, uh, be the appointed as the next friend for this particular child or these children, uh, speak with the uh, school administrators, speak with the teachers, examine the records, if that's a part of the or order appointing them, uh, speak with any mental health uh, evaluators or psychiatrists or therapists that are there, speak, even speak with the neighbors. So um, that one guardian ad litem uh, may be on the case, I would say, on the low end from 60 days uh, to you know, maybe about four months to get a thorough investigation to make a proper recommendation to the court. So in situations where a divorce attorney uh, has a differing opinion uh, with the guardian ad litem uh, on what's in the best interest of the child, mm -hmm. how is that typically resolved from your experience? Once again, from my experience, um, I've had, you know, situations where guardians ad litem were, you know, for my client. And I don't want to say for my client because they're supposed to be neutral and unbiased, but they've issued a recommendation that was in my client's favor. And I've had them that were not so much in my client's favor. And it depends on what the um, evaluator or what the investigator um, recommended. First, I go through the best interest factors that are in 6113 sub 3 of the Florida statutes and make sure that each of those 20 factors were uh, thoroughly investigated. If some were omitted or uh, I believe that it was uh, weighted a little heavily on one side than the other, then that's my responsibility to attack the credibility of that guardian. Um, I do have a certain list of factors that I uh, sort of go ahead and I personally evaluate, you know, whether or not they are acting as a lawyer. Now, they can be a lawyer, but they don't have to. Gardens at Lightham have specialized training uh, that they must, must go through about 15 to 20 hours of training before they can, uh, number one, be able to work with kids, uh, give, you know, age-appropriate uh, discourse or, or conversation with a child and then make appropriate recommendations to the court. They have to be apprised of and informed of the statutes that are applicable uh, to being a guardian ad litem, uh, 61, 401, 402, 403, I think all the way through 405. Chapter 61 is the sort of family uh, statute, which is divorce, parenting, child support, uh, alimony and other factors. So they have to know what the statute says if they're non-attorneys. Um, but, you know, someone who undermines the attorney's legal advice uh, to their own client, someone who can't maintain uh, confidentiality, the big uh, kicker that I see is, you know, they fail to file a notice of intent to interview any witness uh, or has commenced interviewing the parties or collateral sources without informing one or both of the attorneys. Um, spending way too much time speaking with one attorney and not the other or one party and not the other um, and failing to stay in reasonable communication with both parties and, you know, updating them on the status of the case. So, you know, those are those are some of the factors you can, you know, sort of see when people have overstepped their bounds and gone out of 
the authority of what a or the the requirements of what a guardian ad litem should do. Uh, for me, those boundaries are you know not playing one party against the other. Um, you know, someone who may be passive aggressive or communicates in a way that is hostile or disrespectful to one or one side or the other buying expensive gifts for the child, you know, so certainly you want to, uh, the child to warm up to you as a guardian ad litem, but you know, those type of favoritism behaviors are inappropriate, I believe. And, and they do overstep their bounds. Those are, you know, key factors that pique my interest. And, and if there is a uh, recommendation or an evaluation that goes against my client or the, what I feel is the best interest of the child, uh, I'm very well <laughs> uh, uh, able and willing to attack the credibility at trial. We got a little happy visitor. He's getting excited here. That's fine. That's fine. So, what, what, what advice do you give your clients regarding working with a guardian at litem and what can they do to facilitate a smooth process? Well, you know what? Uh, first and foremost, uh, I tell my clients to be uh, very open and honest, very forthcoming. You know, tell them every concern that you have. Don't disparage the other side. Um, but if it's a legitimate concern, you know, I'm going to know about it as the attorney and we'll go through, you know, hey, what's OK to express or how to express those to the guardian ad litem. Um, the second thing is provide as many witnesses as possible. So you want to give the appearance of uh, neutrality. Right. So when people are involved in a. Uh, a relationship that tugs on the heartstrings, you know, there may be some, I don't want to say ill will, but there may be some unresolved anger, unresolved frustration uh, toward the other parent. So this is why the judge wants a guardian ad litem appointed, or this is why the attorneys both came to the agreement that a guardian ad litem uh, is necessary in this case. Uh, so for them to get neutral third parties or neutral witnesses, you know, whether it's a, a, a neighbor, other family members, uh, the friends or, or uh, teachers of the child, uh, that's most important. And the more witnesses that you can provide, the better uh, view, the better scope that the guardian ad litem has uh, from which they can make their recommendation. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And uh, any contentious issue, the, the more neutral third parties you could have uh, bringing their feedback, the better for all parties involved, for sure. Is there anything else that we didn't touch upon that you'd like to share before we wrap up here? You know, um, the most important part is that the guardian ad litem is a party to the case as well. So they're appointed for uh, the best interest of the child, next friend of the child, basically as if the child were speaking to the court. So in theory, well, I wouldn't say in theory, in essence, the, 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 the general rule is that children don't testify in court. Certainly there are exceptions to that. I can uh, do a motion for child testimony or what we call in-camera testimony where the judge takes the child uh, to their chambers and asks age-appropriate questions so that they can glean the information they need to make a decision. But the fear is that, you know, there's going to be a child on the stand <laughs> testify against one of the parents, and that's very damaging, right? And that, too, itself 
itself would make one parent either retaliate or appear as if, you know, they are the lesser parent. So the court wants to protect the child and of course, protect the relationship. So this guardian ad litem is appointed to the case to protect a child from testifying in court. So that means that hearsay is waived. Anything the child says or any of these witnesses say can come in through the guardian ad litem. So that is, you know, different when I'm dealing with any other witness, you know, they have to testify as to what their personal knowledge is, what they know or what they've observed. This guardian ad litem can testify as to what someone told them, right? Because hearsay is generally waived. Uh, the other thing is that as uh, they are a party to the case, they can be called by one or both of the um, attorneys. So if I'm calling them as my witness, I will be, you know, um, prepared to uh, put on their report as evidence and introduce it uh, as something that's in favor of what we are proposing to the court, how we want the court to rule. If I am cross-examining that guardian ad litem, then more likely than not, I'm attacking their credibility and seeking to discharge them for doing something inappropriate with some of those factors that um, I've gone through before. Very cool. So I coming into this episode, I had heard uh, probably like many other folks out there had heard the term guardian ad litem, but just really didn't know exactly what it was. So this was very insightful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your thoughts and sharing. It was uh, rather informative. So always a pleasure to see you, Christina. Always a pleasure to be here. And you know what? In the new year, I'd like to have uh, some of those very competent and very effective guardians on the podcast. So stay tuned. All right. Sounds good. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in and we will catch you next time. Everyone have a wonderful day and happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you for joining us on the McKinnon Legal Podcast. Remember, there's always a path to a brighter, happier future. Stay tuned for more positive insights on troubled relationships and legal solutions. For more information, please visit McKinnon-Legal.com. That's M-C-K-I-N-N-O-N-Legal.com or call 877-920-1614.